Ladies, gentlemen, welcome to your therapy session. Welcome to the Gooners Podcast, Season 6, Episode, I don't know, 34, I think. Um, I've just noticed something new that I never noticed before about our intro video, Owen, which which is the, the part that says, and really great journalists. <laughs> I never noticed that in the bottom right, there's this little arrow that says, and Tom. <laughs> I've never seen that before. <laughs> oh my God, it's hilarious. It's, it, that, it's the one contribution that Andy's made to the pod in the last you know two two or three seasons. <laughs> and uh, and it, it, there's like little Easter eggs in there that are just fantastic. And I just literally, for the first time in in uh, in like ten episodes plus a twenty four hour podcast, that I noticed that. But um, so yeah, I mean, people tune in for the intro, and then and then the numbers just go down the tubes. <laughs> joining us again are two people who actually did uh, join us during that twenty four hour podcast. The uh, the amazing journey and experience that that was. Ryan Rocastle, thank you for uh, for joining us then, and thanks for for joining us now. Nah, no problem. Always seems like our our Monday night chats are uh, are are after some pretty dire situations. So why should this week be any different? <laughs> and wonderful friend of the podcast, Sophie Nicolau, uh, soccer diva from the Highbury squad. You guys killed it tonight uh, with your with your cast uh, of 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 ver- varying opinions tonight you had 1200 something live people in the chat and probably 300 dead people in the chat uh, on top of that but uh, we probably killed them <laughs> yeah i mean you know but it was a good show oh, i mean look people are people are passionate at this point and uh and we want a variety of opinions so uh so so if you're you're at the end of a very long day where where you're you've, you've started at the height you started with sky sports and you're ending with us so i couldn't kind of like arsenal I couldn't think of a better way to end my day. And also, can I just say that intro reminds me of my film industry days where, you know, we'd be working and the execs would say, come on, let's go. We're going to show you a film. You've got to come see this. It's a sweeping epic. And then, you know, you watch it and you're thinking, eh, but it's so epic. You know what I mean? Like, it's I mean, fantastic. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so kitschy. It's like, if you could put that up for an award as well. I'm voting. I always just think it, it would be so funny, like, you know, some poor American kid or, or wherever he's from, per, some poor kid on Twitter thinking, do you want to know what? I'm going to watch an Arsenal podcast. And he tunes in for the first time, <laughs> sees that intro, and then sees our two faces. The, well, that intro, they're, they're like, oh, my God, this is going to be, this is going to change my life. And and it does change their life, but not in the way that they thought it was going to change their life. So. 
Uh, hey, Ryan, how are you? I'm good, Sophie. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, life's good, but football life is not. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and how you doing, man? <laughs> We're gonna have two separate podcasts: the top yeah. and the bottom podcast. You can, you, it's like, um, it's like CFAT. Elysium. It's Elysium. It's Elysium. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, with, it's like CFAT. Tune into three hundred one if you want Owen and I chatting with each other. Tune into three hundred two if you want Sophie and Ryan. Everyone's going to three hundred two, but let's. Can we just say that this podcast? I mean, we're we're in the, we're in a very delicate day. We're two days after just one of those break you down to the core type of losses, and we're one day away from one of those break you down to the core deadline days. Um, and there's rumors swirling, and people changing clubs that aren't us, and there's people not changing clubs that are us. Um, can we just not like really go over that game yesterday in in, in painstaking detail? I think we did that enough. On the post game uh, open mic show, we lost. It sucked. We sucked, um, and um, you know it, it's just not something that that should be happening at this level of football for any team. I don't care how many people are missing. So um, let's start with the good news, Owen, um, William. <laughs> when the best thing happening on your team is that your worst player just decides to leave and do us all a favor, that's you know that's peak Arsenal right there. It is. It's absolutely. And I think uh, William probably sort of embodies everything that has been wrong with this past year. And look, I'm not going to sit here and, and lie at, at the time when the deal was done, free transfer, if it was William or nothing, you know, with his record for, che <coughs> for Chelsea, even just in the season prior to his arrival at Arsenal, we would have thought that we were being guaranteed some sort of numerical outlet in terms of creativity and goals. It's just fact. Whilst it wasn't an absolutely flattering record season on season, it was definitely consistent. But for one reason or another, um, it, it never worked out. And I think from the get-go that what we seen was a player with very, very limited options. And he just took the one that suited him geographically the most at the time, whether his heart wasn't in the move at all and he wanted to remain at Chelsea, I'm not sure. But look, one thing we can all, I'm sure, agree on is that William's stint at Arsenal was massively, massively underwhelming. Arguably, some would say, <laughs> arguably some would say the worst transfer in Arsenal history. And we have had, we signed a guy that was almost paralyzed. And, um, <laughs> he got us to the but, FA Cup final, though. He did, yeah. Good old Kim. Yeah, no, but um, <laughs> look, one thing that you sort of have, have to tip your cap to is the fact that a player of his age, of his profile, you know, in the modern game, has seemingly torn up his contract, uh, if, the, if the reports are correct, to get a move back to Corinthians, which weren't even his desired destination. And what that tells me is that his sole purpose for the remainder of his career is to seek out somewhere mm -hmm. that he will get the most game time and be appreciated the most as a player. So um, whilst this time here was bad, um, I can only sort of tip my cap to the fact that, that he took that sort of personal financial hit um, to not only benefit himself, but Arsenal as a club too. Now here's an interesting concept. So if, um at least one person in the chat doesn't believe the PR spin that he is actually walked away from the contract and thinks basically he's got the Mustafi uh, and 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 uh, Ozil deal. Is there any chance they would just out and out lie about that? I the article, they never lie about anything. I do love a conspiracy theory. And right now the club cannot afford bad PR, can they? Do you walk away from that kind of money just like that? They had to give him something. There's no way you walk away from that kind of contract. But if he did, 
kudos to him because other players before him have hung on and clung on for however long just to make their six-figure income. Um, it was, and, you know, Owen's right, the most disastrous. I don't know if you said it was the most, but one of. Do you reckon the trade to include Hector Ballerin on loan with him as part of the negotiations? I think they're I think The they're deal broke Hector down when they tried to also give away Hector Ballerin. <laughs> yeah, I think right now they take a Big Mac and fries for Hector Ballerin, to be honest with you. It's that bad. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, uh, William was a disaster. I mean, he was never happy at Arsenal. Um, it was indicative, you know, his allegiance was to Chelsea and when he left Chelsea, he lost his mojo and that happens to a lot of people. Sometimes you're in a job and you think you're moving over because the grass is greener and you're offered more money. But really, at the end of the day, it doesn't work out sometimes. And that's what happened with Willian. Willian only became a hateful figure at Arsenal because Arteta kept playing him when he was garbage. If Arteta hadn't done that, people would have been like, yeah, still angry about the transfer, but he became the pinup boy for everything that was wrong with us last season. And sometimes he deserved it. And most of the time, yes, but there were times where we're so desperate as fans to find answers to why we've fallen so far that dodgy transfers and players who don't perform and they're earning that kind of money become, you know, target. Or maybe Willian just wanted to be closer to them Brazilian steakhouses because we know apparently, Sophie, he likes to eat a lot now, right? I mean, uh, he looked like me after two weeks in Greece. So it was, whew, there was a little bit of the old Greek beer belly going on there, wasn't there? Let's be honest. So, so Ryan, you're, you're, you're closest to the headquarters. Uh, did, he, did he take money uh, to leave or, 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 or did they just rip up the contract? Because there is there's a good point. So it's said to be my mutual consent. That does not mean that he's not getting paid, I guess. I, I, what I, what I'd say is I don't think he was on. I don't know where this twenty million seems yeah. to come from. The fact that he was on two hundred and forty k a week, and I don't believe he was on that much money. So I don't think he's quite ripped it up in terms of that. But I do think that you know you have to say there's reliable journalists reporting that he has. There has been some. He's certainly not getting paid what he would have been entitled to be to which I think you have to give him some credit for but I uh, I agree with Owen and Sophie it was a really really bad transfer um kind of it just felt like we were trying to cut shortcuts with that transfer uh, you know trying to get you know you can't you can't say it about a youth project and then give a, a 30 year old a three-year deal like the same thing with David Luiz I feel like those decisions that that we said we were doing for, um, you know, th those decisions we made go against the whole you know youth project feel to it. And uh, the only positive I'll say, uh, just because a lot of things are negative at Arsenal right now, the only positive I will say is I'm glad we didn't try and give this a whole. Let's see how he does in pre-season, your new, you know, fresh start kind of thing. I'm glad we just straight away said no. That that that's done. Yeah, I mean, it it is literally the one thing that is that that has gone right. I think is that we've we've cleared out some uh, some additional you know wages that that could potentially be spent on someone else. Not that we're likely to be signing anybody tomorrow, but now that we've dealt with the positives. <laughs> Let's go to some other categories. Um, Owen, um, 
This is Mainly. my bread, bread. This is my bread and butter, man. You give me whatever you want. And Mainly. do you want to know what? Before you, before you crack on there, actually ask oh. in, in the ch- in the chat, which I love, and I think he's a, a fellow fellow countryman of mine. He always asks me, "Oh, can you blow smoke into the camera?" And I do this week upon week for him. And and now I'm starting to think, am I feeding some strange sort of internet? This is not a foot thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I really don't know what's going on on the other end of that camera. So I'm going to hold fire this week. Ask it's nothing personal, buddy. It's just I feel kind of kind of violated and and um, objectified. So sorry, yeah. Mike. Go on. You're, you're, yeah. Oh, and I also did want to mention before we get to the really bad news. I mean, if you think things are bad, uh, Arsenal wise, let's let's get a little bit of perspective. And this is not a piss take. Uh, I want to send out our warmest uh, thoughts and prayers and 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 uh, hugs to to all of the the Gooners and pretty much everyone else out in New Orleans uh, right now uh, yes. dealing with Tropical Storm Ida, which was Hurricane uh, Level Four Ida and. New Orleans just, I mean, I'd love the people that live there. I mean, we know so many, Trit, uh, Tiff and Sean, her husband, uh, Fredo, Stephen, Jill, Allie, Eliza, everyone down there that's got homes and businesses and careers that are in jeopardy because of this storm. Uh, we're just, we're thinking of you. And I, I know they're kind of spread out mostly in Texas and Florida because they evacuated. But uh, I just want I forgot to say at the top of the show before I got started with my stupid jokes as Sophie liked to call them yesterday, um, the uh, the heartfelt thoughts that we have going for them. I I, I loved on your well when, said, Mike. Well when, said when when you when you did so kindly send people to our post game show yesterday after or on Saturday after your post game show. <laughs> were they depressed? Did they want you, to kill themselves? You, you were no. You were at the end of your rope. You're like you're like I do just want to remind you to go over to the Gooner Spot. Oh, yeah. They're doing their thing. Michael probably makes some jokes, probably dumb jokes, and try to make you laugh. And I was like. That's kind of a, <laughs> thank you, it's I guess. <laughs> but it was I had, to, I had to laugh at it because it was... <laughs> it's exactly what I had planned. Yeah, it was tongue in cheek. Oh, he caved. Look, he did it. Did, he did, did it. it. Yeah. Uh, he made me feel guilty. <laughs> that was for that was for <laughs> Owen though. That was not for you. Asked. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's talk about Mainsley, uh, Ainsley Maitland Niles. Uh, the saga. I mean, it started for him on the on the training pitch at Borum Wood with his mother coming onto the pitch or getting in an argument with with somebody, and it extended into him really just kind of outgrowing that and turning into a really really bright prospect for Arsenal, making the first team, being a guy who could be plugged into any situation, um, never being short of effort, and clearly not wanting to play where he was being put. In you know, in the same style that Oxlade Chamberlain didn't want to be playing as a wing back or or right back. Um, loan spell at West Brom went as all Arsenal loan spells at West Brom appear to go, uh, <laughs> which is garbage. And uh, and now there's a whole question as to maybe you know, supposedly he came back at the beginning of the transfer window or the beginning of the preseason and said, okay, I've learned my lesson or whatever. I'm I'm ready to play fullback for you wherever you need me. Um, and his one usage, I think, so far, if I'm not mistaken, has been as an afterthought 71st-minute substitute in a game. We were losing 4-0, which is almost worse than not entrusting him with with, with playing at all. Um, so he comes out on social media and pretty much forces the hand and says, okay, I want out. I just want to be loved. There's a lot of blame to be assigned around, but, but Owen, I mean – is this rep? Is, is this now another situation in the style of Guendouzi and Saliba and God knows who else? Where where the bridge is broken and we've got to get rid of them? And can we? 
Yeah, and um, it's funny actually. Uh, I seen a poll on on Twitter, which is a lovely place. You should check it out. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I seen a poll on there earlier, and somebody asked, uh, "Is is Ainsley uh, a very good player being mismanaged, or uh, a mediocre player um, kicking up a fuss?" Essentially, the paraphrasing. And for me, it's neither. For me, it's it's very much it's a mediocre player being mismanaged. I, I don't think he's up to the required standard that Arsenal need to make those steps back towards the top six, let alone top four. But it doesn't take away from the fact that his situation has been entirely mismanaged and and quite frankly em, embarrassingly. So, you know, this is the second time in in the space of a year that uh, Ainsley's come out publicly and made statements such as this one. And for me. Not only with Arteta, but with Edu uh, as well. The the seemed to me like they really, really struggle in the man man management side of things. You know that when you look at players like William Saliba's situation was handled absolutely terribly. Matteo Guendouzi was handled absolutely terribly, and now Ainsley Maitland Niles has been handled absolutely terribly. And although you can probably pick flaws within their characters uh, and pull up reasons why they maybe were deservedly treated quite bad he hasn't shown me the ability to put the arm around anybody yet and, and extract the best out of them. Um, even if they have flaws within their character, you know, some of the uh, biggest players that we've seen <clears throat> Ian Wright, uh, whilst he was younger, dealt with his own demons. And if it wasn't for, you know, um, senior figures putting their arm around him and steering him in the right direction, God knows where he would have ended up. Thierry Henry was one of the most egotistical footballers you'll ever meet in your life. But Arsene Banger channeled that in the right way and, and, and it was used as a strength. Um, and do you want to know what I think that, and you like this, Mike, because I think that this could be the final um, nail in the coffin for Mikel Arteta. You know, uh, oh, yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah. There's gonna be more building analogies that come out of this. It, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, do you want to know what it is? Just while we're on that, I think I think Mikel Arteta is just above his level at the minute. You know, he's just above his level, and really, what is happening at the minute is fan pressure is really just driving the screw in. So, for me, it's uh, if you didn't, if you didn't yeah. see the last podcast from last Monday, he, he, he did like four different analogies, and they were all like construction related and building walls and stuff so so very good i, I like the callback there that's uh <laughs> thank you mike thank you mike that, that was very well done ryan um i mean i was just mentioned you know a, a very good example ian wright having some, some people some people you know uh put their arms around him and and, and kind of help him along and and uh you know there is there is a number of people, there are a number of people who clearly are not satisfied with the way their Arsenal careers have gone for one reason or another. Can they all possibly just be immature and, and, and lashing out? Or is there a systemic problem that we really have to start looking at? Um, because the common denominator in all these things is Arsenal yeah. and it's becoming Arteta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I, I definitely hear what Owen's saying and you do think it, there is a pattern repeating. Um, There's a really good point when you think about Saliba and Granduzzi. I, I will say that the, the players, I just feel like uh, when Unai Emery, I know, the, when he left, I, I definitely gave him a lot of the blame as opposed to the players. And this time around, I'm I'm more cautious to 
these players, you know, we talk about wanting to change a bit of the culture at the football club and stuff like that. Uh, for me, what uh, ain't, I know, judging by Twitter, a lot of people will disagree with me. For me, Ainsley Maitland was, was totally out of order to to go on. So that that's not the way. I know I'm quite old school in that approach, but for me, that's not the way to go about whatever problems you may have, you may or may have had. Uh, this, you know, when he went on loan last year. He said, correct me if I'm wrong, but he said he wanted to play more in central position. Not that he wouldn't play in right back, but he wanted to play more in central positions. Oh, this was he made that he made that pretty well known. He made that pretty well known. So that was seven months ago. So now, sort of seven months later, now he's. I saw David Ornstein because I don't go on Twitter all the time, but I was on it today because obviously it's near the last day, and I knew I was. I said I saw David Ornstein tweet something like. He's made it known, it's clear that he wants to play at right back since the start of the season. And I was just thinking, that's completely different to what you said four or five months ago. So there's definitely some flip-flopping between him and, and his position. Um, I know a lot of people think he's the, the best right back at the club, um, which I probably do, probably do agree with. Um, having said that, the best right back performance that I've seen from from a player in recent years has probably been Chambers against West Ham uh, a couple of months ago. I think, you know, I think a real part of the, the reason, uh, kind of going off point a little bit. But... <laughs> Sorry. Anytime you say Chambers, I have to, I, I just look at Sophie for a reaction. Oh, no, but, look, I think the real part of the, what's happened why we started the season so so poorly is because three players who last year in all when they played last year in different times of the season looked at least okay or you know decent Cedric Mary and Chambers have been so started the season so so poorly and obviously that's created this um clamor for something different but I th I personally believe that None of the right backs are, are are good enough that we've got at the minute. They're all they they could all do a job for for a few games and then their their flaws and weaknesses might come out. Um, it's, it's I thought the that platter of, of 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 mediocre right backs. Yeah, I think I just thought that should have been a, a priority position um, for this window. See, see I, I, I see him just before you move on. I want to just mention as well that I agree with Ryan, and I, I don't know whether that's an old school thought or what, but to go out in the media and 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 put that out there, that should be that kind of business should be handled behind closed doors and um, any meetings but one thing I will say a flaw maybe within Ainsley Maitland-Niles and something that you can I, I think is good to look at is an outside source and and someone who I think sort of publicly ridiculed I wouldn't say publicly ridiculed him but sort of put him in the check with Sam Allardyce after his loan spell he said that at his age at his stage in his career he shouldn't really be making demands of where he needs to play and I think if you you know he's completely impartial he's got no horse in that race he was already leaving West Brom he wasn't gonna be working with that player again seemingly so um I think if you were to look at anybody's words uh, to take credit from it's probably Big Sam yeah, and so, you know, one of the things I was going to say, and then Darren put it in the chat, um, is, you know, I don't get the sense, and and for a while it was almost purposeful. I, I, we know Arsene used to really kind of keep 
the the ex Arsenal players away from the club in in every way, both for, you know other than those that were actually on the staff, like like Steve Bold. But I mean, you know, we we heard stories about how um, you know players would want to kind of get more involved with the current locker room at the time and the dressing room, and and they really weren't allowed that access. But um, do you think that if I mean, someone was caught was in his ear, someone with Arsenal credibility, someone with football credibility that wasn't his coach or his, you know, his, his director of football could could really kind of give him some advice, not through the press, but personally. I mean, are, are we not surrounding the players with role models about Arsenal enough? And is that the problem here with Mainsley? Can I just take a step back, please? Yeah. Um, Callum Chambers was the best player on a relegated Fulham team. Yet he gets so many love coupons as the best option at right back with fans. Ramsdale was on a relegated Bournemouth team and Sheffield United team gets killed by fans. Right? So let's get this straight. Chambers, Holding, Elneny, Kalasinac, Bellerin. These players are garbage. Not good enough. And we keep watching the same movie, and I've given this analogy, maybe not on your show, Mike, but I'm going to go for it one more time, because those Saw movies after the first one are rubbish. You don't need to see part two, three, four, five. Are there seven or eight of them now? I don't know how many there are. I don't need to see Kalasnatch. When I hear people say, yeah, but we've got to put him in the shop window. No, don't show him in the shop window. It's not going to help you just sell him. And we are continually doing the same thing over and over again. And some people will say, well, who are you going to play then? With all the, you know, Gabriel's out, Ben White's out, Ben uh, White is out. We, we had options. I think, I think, I think, okay, well, we had options in Mavrobanos and Saliba, but he chooses to ostracize them and to go back to Owen's point, And I make this point all the time on the show. His man management skills are below par and below average. He can't deal and manage men or young men. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took Greenwood under his wing this summer. Greenwood had a lot of issues off the pitch. He was on a road to, you know, I'm not saying nowhere, but he had so much talent. Look how he's playing this season. And Solskjaer said he's become a man this off-season. Genduzi was a punk against Brighton. I get it. He was an idiot. But instead of chew, instead of teaching the young idiot how to be a man, he just sends him away. Saliba lost his parents, can't deal with him, can't deal with his emotions or can't deal with anything, sends him away. Torreira doesn't want to be in London. Instead of convincing him to be in London, sends him away. Mavrobanos, decent defender, better than holding in chambers, sends him, sends him to Germany. I mean, when is it going to end? Why do people keep defending this guy? And you know what? Even if he gets us out of the bottom three, which he will, because you know why? We have really good players and they will get us out of trouble despite him, not because of him. And I keep hearing too, well, he doesn't have everyone. We saw him with Party, Gabriel and Pepe last season. We finished eighth. It wasn't, it wasn't the same movie. So something's got to give and something's got to change. And Abamyang, I don't want you coming out and saying we need to have pride. Show your pride on the pitch when you're wearing the Arsenal shirt. They completely collapsed and folded like cheap lawn chairs in that City game. They gave up. And you know what? It's got to stop. 
It's just got to stop. It's just garbage. Sorry, I'm not accepting it. I know just... you're fine, and you've every I think every right to be as aggravated as you are with it because something and and Ryan, the reason I'm throwing this to you is because me and you've had a couple of back and forths between yeah. not back and forths like that, but discussions about uh, your you were obviously on one side of the fence and I was obviously yeah. sort of slightly on the other. Um, but what I would say is during that Man City game, and uh, as Mike says, we'll not dive too much into the actual specifics of that game, but. I couldn't help but feel sorry for players like Kieran Tierney, like Emil Smith Rowe, like Bakayo Saka, um, like Martin Odegaard playing in a six, which was absolutely ridiculous. I thought, but looking at these players, uh, something I've mentioned in this in in the Chelsea game and I think again in this City game is I don't I don't care what team gets put out onto that pitch. I don't care the quality of players i think with the tactical instructions that they were sent out there with if it was kaylini and van dyke at the back and it was jordy alba playing left wing and whoever it is name players i think with the style that we were trying to play and the instructions that they were given we were always destined to lose that game would you say not so much because to be honest with you sophie's been touching on transfers with the transfer business this season i don't have a massive amount of issues with the the um transfer business we've done and i know sophie and i'll just to play devil's advocate with you when you said about players being relegated like aaron ramsdale i would argue that genie when alden was relegated with newcastle and exactly that Liverpool was exactly what i meant and i couldn't remember yeah. him at the time but yes, yeah. yes thank <laughs> yeah. you <laughs> but, but uh, my point isn't so much about the personnel it's about the tactics that are being deployed do you th as someone also who was true. sort of as somebody who was maybe on board more so with Arteta yeah. um, halfway through last season, are you seeing any progression or has your mind changed in terms of the approaches that we are taking to games? No, um, yeah, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing the progression that, that I, that I wanted to see. I still, uh, yeah, I think I said last time I was on here, I still uh, would give in uh, 10 games into the season after a preseason. I probably might might shorten that to maybe seven. <laughs> um, well, you know, you know what his sixth game is. Yeah, no, no. I think um, you know it's, it's been the an extremely <laughs> alarming start. Of a great run, Sophie. I I enjoyed that, and and I enjoyed. <laughs> I'd say I agreed with with most of it. The only thing I would say is that I don't quite agree with thinking that this is a very good squad of players. I still think that this is not. I think he's taking we, issue with the most positive part of the rant that you said. I just think that if we if we were to bring Aubameyang, in the a good player, like Abamyang's a good player, Lacazette is a good player, Saka is a good player, Smith Rowe's a good player, Tini is a good player. Yeah, I think our team's better than 17. Unless I'm I'm proven wrong, I do think the record shows when we have those on the field. We do get results that, that those eleven more or less that, that there is, or at least you know that you did our stuff to, like in the the run last year. There were positives. There were stuff to get on board with. The problem is, is as a manager, you you're not judged on when you have your best eleven because that doesn't happen frequently. You're judged on what what you can do with with the rest of the squad. And I think there's a combination. I think I think Arteta has failed to get the best out of the squad. But I also think that when you look into our reserve positions, they are weak. They are definitely not what you'd associate with a, a top four squad. Ryan, 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 
on the bench against City, we had Martinelli, we had Lacazette. Yeah. All right. Those mm -hmm. those are two good good players. He had two goalkeepers on mm -hmm. the bench. He's the, the, he's that, the, to be fair, that was because Pepe. Pepe wasn't I know, but bring in an under twenty three player. I mean, do something. Don't like. No, no, it's, no, 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 it's, it's getting harder and harder to to defend Arteta. And there's no doubt. And if he was to leave tonight, he, he could have no complaints. The only thing I'll say is I'm just not convinced that Arteta goes and long term, not short term, because short term a new manager I think would get better out of these players, but long term. I think we'd start to see what happened under Arsene Wenger with these players. What under the, the key for me, right, is Freddie Jungberg. One of the, one of the key, and I've said this to to Owen before. Look at that team that he played when he knew it was his last game at Arsenal against Everton, and he, he was basically sending out a message to say, the, a the players aren't good enough, b the culture around the club isn't good enough, and I just think that. If you just change the manager again, without looking at some of the stuff that, without looking at some stuff that might be deeper than just the managers, you might end up getting similar-ish results come 12, 18 months time. And take a quick second though, because I want to circle back. Before I haven't put any comments up because I've been wanting to make sure to to, to put in Tom. Tom's in a very generous mood today. Uh, been high on the super chats, and and we certainly appreciate that. We will take the proceeds from that and. Uh, and roll it into Gunnar versus Cancer as we always do. Owen, oh, please stop with the props, except for the smoke. So he's on. He's got the fetish as well. And uh, <laughs> we will absolutely do a, a live show when we move down here. I was saying on uh, on Tom's podcast that when we first started doing podcasts or came up with the idea, I was listening to on iTunes a couple of podcasts that I happened to find on there. One of them was John's from Miami. The other was the Gulf Coast Gooners did a podcast. And I, I mean, this is back when there were only like. 2000 podcasts now, you know, instead of the, the 12,000 that there are now, but, uh, but I actually enjoyed that a lot. So we gotta, we gotta get back into the game. We'll do it. To, we'll do it. I'll be a neighbor. He's in Tampa. I'll be down in Sarasota eventually. Um, if the world doesn't end before then, but, uh, but thank you, Tom, for your generosity. Um, you've mentioned Ryan, you know, short-term coach bump, but Arsenal clearly don't want to keep making short-term chops and changes. Whether you think that they should or not, whether you think that strategy at other clubs works or not, whether it's backed with money or whether it's not, they don't want to do that. They want to find the next Arsene Wenger, and that's probably their problem. But they want to find the next Arsene Wenger. They thought they had it in Arteta so much that they gave him extra powers after seven months and winning an FA Cup uh, in, in unique COVID-based circumstances. But... If you're like me and you think Arsenal will not pry away a contracted manager from a club like Graham Potter, for example, or or, or somebody like that, and that they're basically just they're going to hire somebody when somebody becomes available, most likely over a summer, who do you replace Mikel Arteta with right now? And that is not me saying that he shouldn't be replaced. I'm actually asking for suggestions because I looked at a list of player, you know, coaches who aren't currently contracted with anybody, and it's. You know, it's Gennaro Gattuso, who I actually would, would be interested in seeing. Uh, I don't know the first thing about his coaching ability, but I love the guy and his fire and his culture. I think the team could use some of that. Um, Claudio Ranieri, and then, of course, Eddie Howe. But, I mean, there's not a lot of options, and I'm sorry, but Antonio Conte's not coming to Arsenal. Yeah, no, and and I, I agree with the, 
we're pretty much all that. What I'll say is, uh, I'm going to say another positive thing. So, um, <laughs> it's crazy considering where we are. Per soccer. I, I, do, I do think that the transfer market that we've had that it, it does allow for a new manager to come in and be on the right step, if you know what I mean. To so th th that's what I quite like about what we've done in the window. Whether you agree with the personnel that we've brought in. I think the profile of the players mean that if a new manager were to come in, you know, we haven't got people, you know, we, I'm really happy we didn't go for like Coutinho's or try and get Griezmann's. I, I know people might disagree with that, but I'm, I'm glad we've gone for younger players who have potential upside. Whereas if you look at it, right, okay, Arteta goes in four or five games, you come in and you say, this is where more. This is where I do agree with what Sophie was saying. You look at it and you say, "But there are positives we can get out of this squad, and I can get them playing in my way." For example, Potter at um, at Brighton. I, I actually think you're right, Mike. I don't think we're going to get someone, and I certainly don't think we're going to get someone in the middle of a seat or whilst the seat. If we were going to get someone like a a Potter or a Brendan Rodgers, I think it would have had to been in the first week of the pre-season so he could come in have a pre-season you know speak with the i just don't think we'll pay the compensation required to have them break no, their contract no, no, no. i mean even just pay the coaches that we've sacked i mean we're for all we know we're still paying yeah. Us some money. <laughs> yeah but um yeah that that this is another part of the reason why i'm i'm giving it i'm allowed i'm willing to give arteta another month or so is because my personal opinion is the managers that we'd be trying to get to the club are very much the same what Tottenham tried to in the summer and apart, and apart from the one and the ones that they were going for really strongly all all ended up staying or, or not wanting to go and I think we'd have a similar issue so yeah at the minute there's no one that stands out that I think we could get and that does influence my this my sort of opinion on giving us a few more games. So if, if you look at this from like a business perspective, you could say, well, you know, there are distressed assets. There are companies that are just run poorly and but have all of the things you need to be successful. And someone, you know, a corporate raider or, or, or somebody could come in and say, I can make a diamond out of this lump of coal with my own expertise and a little bit of extra hard work from the people mm -hmm. around me. This is a good opportunity to turn a loser into a winner. Um, is Arsenal that for a, for a Conte or somebody to say, you know what, they're they're really everything's going wrong for them right now, but it's because of the people who do the job that I would be coming in to do better than that. Or do you look at it and say, as long as this team is run by the people that are running it, no one, no player, no no staff member, no coach, no no contract negotiator can possibly make it any better. And why would I, I, I want to stay a million miles away from that club. I mean, what is, what is Arsenal as an opportunity to somebody right now? Like, like a Conte. So Conte left into Milan because they were going in the toilet financially and he knew they had to sell their best players, including Lukaku. He left into Milan because of that. Conte is a manager that likes a big budget. He's Pep Guardiola. He's Mourinho. They want the cash. And unless he comes in with a written affidavit that is signed by Jesus Christ, he will never come to Arsenal. He needs 300 million minimum 
to come to the Arsenal to spend. And that isn't going to happen unless the Cronkies bite the bullet and say, you know what, screw it. We're going to roll the dice. We're going to play spin the bottle. And if it lands on Conte, we'll give him 300 million. So the reality is, for me this summer, I wish we would have gone from a, for a Christophe Galtier. You know, he was magnificent managing Lille to a Liga championship this season. Managed some really good players too and really smart. You know, that kind of coach, that's... That's the type of coach we should be looking at. Him, like a Ten Hag, that that type of manager that can come in, knows how to work with players, man-manage players, has the experience to really coach some players up as well. Um, but that, that, but, but at this point, that's got to wait until the summer, though. No, they're not. They're not sacking. They're not sacking him. He's not going anywhere. It's not going to happen. I don't even think they would sack him if we we. We um, lost at the North London derby and we drew against Norwich and Burnley and had two points. And, and I don't think they'll sack him. I really do not. And that I think they're going to give him until... They'll sack everyone else around at him. Least, and- at least October, November, right? Because now it's a stubborn thing. You go, We've worked with entrepreneurs. They're very stubborn. They've given them 140 million. And what they're saying to them is, you get me out of this mess. I gave you this money to spend. You get us out of this mess with the players you chose to play for this club. And I think that's what's happening because you pull the trigger right now. You guys are right. Who comes in at this point? Maybe Mertesacker takes over the team for a little bit until you find someone else who might get sacked from somewhere else. If you want Graham Potter, you're going to have to play pay Brighton a heavy, heavy sum. Eddie Howe is the type of manager, people may laugh at that, but he took Bournemouth from obscurity to Premier League football. He knows how to roll up his sleeves and work. We need someone who's going to grab this club by the arse and take it and build a culture. And I don't want to bring this up, but similarly to how Tottenham were absolutely irrelevant and Pochettino came in and he turned everything around for them. That's the type of manager this club needs. It needs a new DNA, a new culture and an identity. Who are we under Arteta? I don't know. Do you know? I have no idea. I really don't. Wayne Shaw is available and I am working on getting him to the Arsenal. (laughs) God, look at me with hair. God, I just that looks ridiculous at this point. You were right, clinging, you were clinging on at that point. Let's not lay. Yeah, I was I was absolutely clinging on. <laughs> yeah, and I, the truth I, is we're only nine points behind the, the number one team in the league. It's all right. It's easily so close. here's the scoop. Here's what I believe. I believe if if this was <laughs> take the Brentford game away. If it was City and Chelsea. And you said, like, you said like every Arsenal fan last season with the first half of the league. <laughs> no, no. But what I'm saying is the Brentford game has made this all so much worse because as Arsenal fans, we never had any expectation to beat Chelsea under Tuchel, different under Lampard, even though we did beat Tuchel once last season. We never expected to beat um, Manchester City. We're useless up there. We haven't won up there since 2015. So you had Brentford in the mix. That's where the sky started falling. Because, well, yeah. you know, haven't been in the top flight for 70 years. And so now that you, now you've lost to the champions of England, the champions of Europe and the newly promoted team that hasn't been there for 70 years. And it just makes it all so much worse. Right. But in reality, it's nine points. It's three games. There are still 30 
my maths. I've always been rubbish at maths. 35 There's games 35 left. 35 games to go. By the way, that's that's for maths. Um, so, <laughs> Owen, are we, uh, is it a good thing or a horrible thing that we now have two weeks in an international break? Our players, some of them go out. They join up with, uh, you know, let, let, let's say uh, Odegaard now goes up and meets up with his buddy uh, Eric or Erling. Eric. <laughs> Erling. Um, you know, all of our other players that are that are clinging on to their international slots go over and to talk to their happy teammates who have been snapped up by the PSGs and the and Man Cities and Chelsea's of the world. And um, and and I mean, is it going to emphasize how broken things are at Arsenal, or is it going to be like? a flush and then we come back and we and we just take out our anger on Norwich. I think it's an awful time to go on break, but it's maybe fun, I'm wrong. It's, it's funny, like you can just imagine per Martin Odegaard on a, on his way into the Norwegian camp and just going up for fuck's sake, lads, you'd never believe what I've just you see the look on his face. <laughs> like like when they were all standing and, and to their credit, when they were all clapping the away fans who had who had supported them through that mess, Odegaard just looked like he like I hope I just dreamt this. I didn't just actually come here permanently, did I? Yeah, no. It, it, look, the the international break. I think I think for us fans, it's coming at probably a good time. As much as I think it's absolutely ridiculous to have a, an international break three after three games into the season, and um, when we're just coming off the back of a major international tournament, it's just absolutely ludicrous in my opinion. But for us, it's good because we get a bit of respite. We get to go away and not let Arsenal destroy our week or weekend. Um, <clears throat> but for Mikel Arteta and the players, speak for I yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an absolutely horrible thing for for them because the, as we all know, maybe from playing sports or or, or whatever we do, is that if you suffer a defeat, the best thing you could do to, to cure that is get back in there and, and get another victory on the board. The unfortunate thing is, whilst to see what Zoe, uh, so, Zoe, the sister in law is called Zoe, Sophie, what I see what Sophie's saying um, about the, the <laughs> taking the Brantford game into account is what makes it seem so bad. But, and I'm sure that, that, that Sophie will agree with this because I'm pretty sure I've heard you say this as well. It isn't just about the results or the points tally, it's the manner in which you get there. You know, that nobody minds going out, um, <clears throat> seeing their team go out, fight and go out in their shields to, ultimately the better team but it's rolling over and dying that seems absolutely terrible you know for mm-hmm. me and and we have to sit now for the next fortnight and like you said you'll not leave it sit and stew with i don't know whether you want to pull up to the starting 11 against man city but i can't get that out of my head every time i, I, I look at every time i look at it i go what what the fuck is this what is that you know, you have a manager there who, whilst I really like him as a person, I really like the ideas that he had when he came into the club. But I think I remembered, I says my favourite moment of the season when he initially take, took over from Unai Emery was his first press conference because he spoke so well and put so much life back into the fan base. But now it seems to me like he's a man in absolute desperation. You know, we have Siad Kalazanac who we had questions over his defensive capabilities in a left back in a in the left back position in a back four you know the thing that everybody was saying was that he's he's an all right player but i think he would be a good wing back and now you're going to take the most defensively weak player within our entire squad and play him as a center back it's just absolutely insane um so look i know i'm going off on a bit of a tangent there your question was about the international break no but, but you're right he makes those decisions he chose yeah, the team 
you know? Yeah. You always see some strange stuff. I mean, you see some really strange decisions in this little pre pre international break, pre transfer window thing. I mean, it, it, it happens every year. I mean, we we see Chamberlain starting against Liverpool when we pretty much knew he was headed to Liverpool the next day. Um, you know, you, you just you, because there's you know, do you put guys in the transfer window in the shop window? Do you play them? Do you freeze them out? I, when we get back from the international break. And I'm not talking myself into everything's okay because I don't think it is. At least there won't be those issues hanging over our head anymore. The, the, the players that are here will be here. The players that are gone will be gone. And that's one less man management issue that he can screw up. <laughs> Mike, Mike, how many times has he played the same back four, back three? Whoever you want, pick them. I mean, I don't care. Zero. How, where, exactly. Do you know what? There's positions in the team that they have to form a partnership, right? And it have, of course it's important in every position, strike partnership, midfield partnership, but the defence, when you think about the defences we've had in the past, when you think about Vidic and Ferdinand, when you think about even Leicester City, the season they won the Premier League, the same consistent players playing together week in, week out, developing chemistry, trusting each other. Have, have injuries no... not provided? I mean, they, they, yeah. his decisions no. have been wacky, but I mean, our Leicester City have one injury that entire season, I think. But I mean, he's, the point is, is that he could have had Saliba or Mavrobanos as the partnership right now. They're, he's Saliba. They would have been would, hurt. Well, no, see, well, see because they the play state. for Arsenal, but that's not. I'm not saying, but he's. You know, we're so short. We've left ourselves short. Everyone was laughing about David Luiz, but we kind of miss him. How great would it be to have had him playing against Man City at the weekend? I mean, seriously, better see, options than what we have now. We could have gotten two red cards. See, even just to steer away from the personnel oh, thing again. I, th I think what we're all getting at there is is an again. But personnel is important, Owen. Yeah, but, but uh, what, what what I was gonna say is, for me, when I mentioned earlier about Kalasanak playing there and the likes of Sambi Lakonga being left out and Martin Udegaard being played out of position, really, these are all signs that we see from managers that are under pressure, desperation acts from from managers. But Ryan, I'm interested to get your take on this because, as you said, you're someone who's pretty old school. Something that really, really, really bugged me, maybe more so than it should. I'm not, I'm not sure, but was after the Granit Xhaka red card, which I'll not even have a debate over. It was absolutely 100% in the modern game, a straight red card. But was Mikel Arteta patting him on the ass as he walked off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got pretty inferior. What was your take on that? No, was he, that... he shouldn't have done that. Nah, that, that, was a bad, that was a bad look um, after Xhaka you know, let the team down. Um, yeah, he should... Again, it's just um, the, the, there's no, there's no. You can't defend what's happened really in in the in the first three games of the season without um, coming across as biased to, towards Arteta. Because you know that, that uh, the only thing you know I will say again is is back to um, it is back to to have to the players. Uh, um, sorry, Sophie, you saying about. Mavropanos, I think we've got to be a bit careful by saying these players who go on loan. Then, you know, I remember we, we people said that about Nelson when he was on loan at Schalke. I think it was, oh, he, you know, he looked really good. In, uh, players who, who come, 
sort of on loan and do well and we expect them to go sort of into our team and, and be, you know, perform well. Even Chambers, I think, did okay. Absence makes the heart grow fonder and absence makes the Arsenal Bournemouth play better. Mavropano scored at the weekend, by the way. I'm not saying he's... I've not seen enough So did Genduzi. And Saliba almost got one too. Sorry, Ryan. Don't wind up. Londo or this year is going to be people who we loaned out or, or yeah, gave up on. Yeah. No, but, but, but that, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, you have to be able to really understand and realise your talent. And my point is that he doesn't try to nurture any of that talent. And he also, I understand that we have injuries and he has to plug and play, but he's learned a little bit of arrogance from Pep about square pegs in round holes. Yeah, yeah, there is absolutely. no doubt about that. Yeah, but he, but if the square peg, if it's a square peg that doesn't fit in a round hole, he, he has a, two other players with with round holes that he can put into the round hole. So, and Arsenal don't have that. I, I was trying to make a make that not sound perverted, but nothing I nothing I could do would prevent that. I, mean, I uh, experimented oh, against Manchester City. Yeah, that you don't do that. that. You don't do that. You don't do no. that. Oh, and I'm glad that you brought up the point. It was on my kind of my punch list of. Of things to talk about. Um, everyone has their moment, and you know, I, I I've mentioned that my moment with Arsene Wenger was just. I mean, it wasn't a, a, a moment in time. It was just a game that that's. It was about a month and a half after that that Welbeck goal, where we beat Leicester City on Valentine's Day. We were going to win the league. Only Leicester could stop us. Then we go and dump. You know, ship two goals to uh, to. Marcus Rashford on his debut with Manchester United. And then the following game, a home game against Swansea, just didn't show up. And that's where that's where it finally clicked for me about five years after everyone else that, you know, that this was over uh, and wasn't going to get any better. Um, the moment for me with Mikel Arteta was him patting Granite Xhaka on the ass um, because he has excoriated people like Pepe for getting red cards uh, for moments of madness, he has excommunicated, uh, you know, Guendouzi, and 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 I, I happen to think he's a bit of a punk. I think he he I think there's more to it than just what he did and said at, in the light of that Brighton game. I think probably had to do with him being completely un, unapologetic and unwilling to, you know, accept his role or any kind of discipline. But why wouldn't he? be livid at Granite Jaka. Why is it okay that Granite Jaka get yet another red card? And you watch this. Jaka will come back and his the, if he's if he's suspended for three games, his first game back will be the North London Derby. Um he will come back and within one or two games he'll do something good. He'll either have a good game or score a goal and he will be right back with this all over again. Just like he did the last time. And and it's why I cannot believe that we gave him the money instead of essentially conceding it to Roma. Um, I, the, the, that, the, the, the reliance on Granit Xhaka and in, in, in a crystallized moment, that, that endorsement of his reckless play because he loves and has passion for the game or whatever bullshit he says about why it's okay that Granit Xhaka get kicked out of every fourth game that he plays in is, is where I finally gave up on him. And I started the post-game show saying – you know, thanks for the for that thing that you did, uh, the FA Cup. But it's 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 beyond him at this point. It's time, and uh, it's. I, I agree with you. So if it's not going to happen, but 
I don't see how he pulls back from this and 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 in any sort of meaningful way. He's been sent off 11 times in his career, four times for the Arsenal, more than any other player since he signed. He got sent off like in one of his first games. I think it was against Swansea, as a matter of fact. And last season against Burnley, was it Burnley where he went in with the, the... the neck, the neck grab, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and, and and I mean, and, it's, and and you know, here's the scoop with Xhaka. I defended him, um, you know, because he got a lot of bullying and horrible, abhorrent behaviour online. But when this is where you need to like really dissect Arteta, right? A guy who, not under Arteta's reign, through his shirt on the pitch, told fans to F off, you know, and kind of has issues and flirted with Mourinho on Instagram all summer, talked about how life in Rome would be beautiful. We can't sell him. And then you say, well, give the give the club some credit. They didn't sell him or flog him for what they didn't think he was worth, especially after that Euro display. But if you can't sell him for that value after those euros, what do you think you're going to sell him for next summer, right? So then they double down and they give him more money. And then Wenger, uh, Wenger, then Arteta triples down and gives him the captaincy. When he should have started the season saying, you know what, if Aubameyang and Lacazette aren't playing, Tierney's my captain. He's the future of Arsenal Football Club. Instead, what did he do? He stood in front of the media and he said something along these lines. I never wanted, I didn't want Jacker to go. He is the example of what an Arsenal player and what this club stands for, you know, and I'm thinking, really? That's your take? That's your Arsenal? I mean, if we're going to move forward, how can we move forward with, and I've defended Xhaka, and in a team where there are no leaders, he's somewhat of a leader, but I'm sorry, after that this weekend, that's not leadership that can't con- that can't continue. And in my ideal world right now, I would have Laconga and Party as the midfield partnership, not Xhaka. So giving him more money and then playing plays like Kalasinac and Chambers and Holding and Elneny and these guys, this is his time. He's fighting for his job. What is he doing? I'd rather lose with under 23 players in certain positions. If we're going to lose like this, at least they'll fight for the badge and the shirt yeah. and put in an effort. Oh, oh and do um, are we about to enter another phase like we had on Boxing Day last year, where Arteta is forced by absence to actually make the right decision? If Partey is healthy for Norwich and Jacques is not available, are we going to see Jacques Lacan- or uh, Partey Lacanga light it up, and then all of a sudden everything's fine again? <laughs> I mean. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it shouldn't be that he has to be forced to make the right decisions constantly, but it seems to be the RMO at this point is. Uh... Do you want to know what? It's a funny one because I, I like you, I, I, I joke about the fact that, you know, he was forced into those decisions, but in reality, I'm not sure that that is the case because he had used Joe Willick as, as a 10 before that, before he, he selected Emile Smith-Rowe and Emile Smith-Rowe was injured as well. Um, but look, whether the the partnership is going to be forced, I think I think that it probably is going to force him to have that central partnership of Lukanga and Partey. And don't get me wrong, I do think that will give us slight improvements in terms of mobility and how uh, how we press and recover the ball in midfield, especially against some of the sides uh, like Norwich and Burnley. 
But um, as I've as I've mentioned, and and I'm maybe putting myself on repeat here, I think that this is a tactical systemic problem. I don't think that there's the way that I described this was was that it was like me when I was five years old playing FIFA. You know, play down the wings, spam crosses, and it's that there's no plan B. There's no willingness to play the ball through the centre of midfield. There's no variety on either wing. Um, and for me, the, the, the way that I said this was, football is a fickle game. People, people's mind changes that fast. You know, like uh, again, repeat myself here, but. Um, it wasn't so long ago that Man United were down beside us being laughed at and Ali Gunnar Solskjaer was an absolute clown. It wasn't so long ago that Chelsea were in, in absolute shambles under Frank Lampard. It wasn't so long ago that Liverpool had won the Premier League title uh, and the Champions League title within two successive seasons and now they're not even being considered as title challengers this season. So, And, and the player that I throw it back to was, look at Luke Shaw. Two years ago he was being laughed at as this overweight left back who was completely below the level required and now look at him so i think when you look at some of the players that we have uh, and we're casting judgment saying that the squad is poor and whilst i agree that it is poor in comparison to man city or chelsea's i don't think it's poor to the level that we're seeing now and and the the sort of game plan that they're carrying out on a weekly basis i don't think that um that that's their natural ability. I think that they're probably being micromanaged to the point where it's actually dwindling out any creative freedom or expression. And I think that that's maybe what you might get from a new manager. Is it, the best thing that could happen to this team, in a sense, is in, a, in an attacking sense, is almost that the brakes are taken off, you know, and they're just let let go to play football and not micromanage so um, so much. But if that happens, Owen, you do then have to accept the flip side of it could end up being like Emery in the end where you go Watford, go Watford and have 30 shots against you. Oh, that game. All, all I'm saying, look, I, 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 can't, I think anyone who want, who's defending Arteta based on the facts here have just lost their mind because there's there's no... There's no real reason for it. All I was just say is, is that I don't think it would be with this group of players that we're gonna have we're gonna have the are gonna have a decline that the fans are gonna be expecting. I think it will short term it will definitely get better. But I think long term there's bigger problems that, than just Arteta. Mm-hmm. But we had one shot. Against Man City, yeah, <laughs> and it was and it was before anybody actually woke up and turned the game on. Too. Oh, yeah. Like, oh yeah, like they keep telling us we had one shot, but I don't remember there being one shot. Yeah, that was um, so. We're gonna ask one more question, go around the horn with it, because uh, because we are gonna try to wrap up early. I mean, who needs to hear another half an hour of people talking about how bad we are? Um, I will miss when we get better. I will miss Owen saying "per." Uh, as often because I mean we're getting that like nine ten times a show right now and I gotta get this I gotta get like a, a cat purring gift gift or something like that up but uh mm. it's one of my favorite Owenisms. Um have has Arteta in your mind lost the dressing room? Because for me that's that's where you can't even know it doesn't matter who the players are, it doesn't matter whether they're the reason when you've lost the, the dressing room you can't replace the dressing room. At one time, you can replace a coach. 
Um, so Ryan, I mean, in your view, has it happened? Is it starting to happen or are they still behind him as it seemed like they were last season? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not totally, I wouldn't say, I don't know if he's lost the dressing room, but I don't think they're fully behind his ideas. Do you, do you think there's been a, a shift in that or do you think it's the way that it's been and nothing really has changed there? Well, I don't really know, uh, Mike, because when our players speak about Arteta, they speak about him quite glowingly, uh, other than those that have left. You look at even Martinelli, who was, you know, hardly played last year, who I thought would be quite annoyed, said in the summer we've got one of the best coaches. So I don't know if they I don't know, but I think maybe that yeah they're not quite as um, they're not quite as as strong. But yeah, great great point from um, oh, from from Ketsu for Kev. We'll find that out in the next three games. I think that's, that's very super. Good. Kev, he just yeah. WhatsApp me. He's listening and he said that that Xhaka is an expensive liability. Um, which I he's a lot of things. With. Expensive and liability are two of the things that he is. Um, we'll find that I, out in the next three. I think that's a, a great, great way to, to put it. Yeah. Um, so, if your thought on the dressing room, I just would like to address Aston, who called me a liar for saying that if we played I'm, under I'm sure 23s and lovingly. got relegated, I know. Uh, I'm actually being completely. I'm not saying the entire team. But there's no worse than giving Aziz a go. And I know he's got to go on loan and get more experience. But if you're going to have to plug in players, use under 23 plays, don't use Kalasinac, don't use Bellerin, don't use El Nenny. We've seen that movie before many times, as I said. In terms of the dressing room, um, that whole player thing is PR. I mean, I've been in PR for like 25 years, my entire career, and that's called spinning. When things are going bad, you need players to come out and be positive and say positive things about the manager. That's the first thing I would do as a PR person. Do some players love him? I'm sure they do. There are some players that I think from reports that I've heard are a bit tired of his arrogance. Um, I'm hearing about screaming matches at Tierney over things where Tierney was yeah. covering for Kalasinac and and he's yelling yeah. on the sideline to Tierney. And, and you know, look, no player should be above being criticized, but these are the people who are your biggest backers. If he's starting to go at them. Right. Look, at the end of the day, Arsenal Football Club should not be bottom of the Premier League. That is a ghastly image for any fan to have to look at. It made me want to vomit yesterday. I text Mike and I said, Mike, I don't know if I can talk about it. I mean, it's like I, I wanted to throw up when I saw that. Now, so I what have you done today? <laughs> you've, been, you've been on every I've show. been talking about it, I know. <laughs> but I love my team. I don't I know, care. I, I love my club. And whoever wears that shirt, I will support them. But Arteta has to put them in a position to compete and to play and not confuse them and change things all the time and be desperate. And that's what I fear, what Owen said earlier. It smacks of desperation now. You know, and all I want is for us to be competitive. When Ke when Kevin and I, he asked me, what do you want from this season? I said, one thing, I just want to be competitive in the Premier League again. If anything else comes after that, great. Let's start there. I don't want to have games That's where it. the studio, where the NBC studio is just taking pity and 
and aghast at how far we've fallen. I don't know if Mike, they're still doing that. Memes, as- how many memes have your mates sent you since yeah. the weekend? I'm over it. I mean, half of my cousins are Tottenham fans. It's brutal. <laughs> we need to. We need your, to. End your this cousins down. are sending me memes. That's how bad things have gotten. <laughs> Owen, oh, has she? Has he lost the dressing room? We'll, we'll finish off there, and then and then a couple of thank yous before we head out. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I, I think I would say that there's probably a split. We've heard from players like Pierre and Aubameyang that there's apparently a crisis meeting was supposed to be held today or tomorrow. Um, so that's never good. I don't think I've ever heard of a crisis meeting being held on the situation and in a positive I heard they had way. one, but he was late for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but do you want to know what? One thing, one thing. Was, that was for you, that so. was Top shelf, top shelf <laughs> shit. Yeah, no, but look, if there's one positive to take out of it, and yes, Ryan, <laughs> get, get your camera out. I'm going to give a positive here. <laughs> um, I think that it's good that players like Kieran Tierney, Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka, whoever you want to come out, Gabriel Martinelli and talk in, in that light about Mikel Arteta because to me it's something that players don't have so much and it's it's part of the reason whilst they disagree with Super Kev on, on some things it's part of the reason why I love his view of football and it's that it's that players should have a, a sense of responsibility for the manager they should feel like they're letting the manager down and it's yeah. their job to go out and right them wrongs and that this poor fella is suffering the consequences of their underperformance uh, and for me that's what Kieran Tierney and Emil Smith and Bakayo Saka are doing when they come out and preach about how good Mikel Arteta is but it's players like Aubameyang that goes hiding from the fucking camera crew every time that there's a loss. And I was shocked he gave seen. an interview after this one because it was the yeah, first time I've ever seen him give an interview after a loss, especially one like that. Yeah, but look, as much as people like Tierney and all feel that responsibility, it dwindles slightly. With every punch and every blow that they receive, it gets less and less enthusiastic week on week. And um, eventually that dwindles out, I think. And what we're starting to see now, I think more so in that Man City game than I've ever seen from some of them players, was just the enthusiasm being drained out of them. And maybe as, as Kevin Ryan said, the next three games are, are going to be so important to see how they come back and react. Well, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, what the squad actually thinks of this manager because as we've seen with players or managers like... Um, Sorry, at Chelsea and Mourinho at Chelsea, Chelsea mainly because they're an absolute bunch of fucking idiots. But um, we're going to see whether the players want to push him out or whether they want to try and fight to keep him in his job. Yeah, and I think that that Norwich game is going to be. I mean, that there is just so uh, such a wide variety of what could happen from from. I hope we win that game. From getting oh, back God, on track to, and, and, and I bet you there are a lot of people who hope we don't. And I'm glad oh, that no, I, no, I, I know that what? that's no. not you. I know no, that's no, not no. you, but we we got to win if that it, game. But if, if we don't, is wishing that we lose a game yeah. just so a manager gets sacked. I'm sorry, yeah. you do not love your club. Yeah, that well, is unacceptable and garbage my, behavior. I will send to people like that, Sophie, and you can take this for the Highbury squad. This will be Kevin Campbell's catchphrase: as it's a use a toaster as a bath bomb." Well, there's a meme. There's one to come for us. Another gif, um, for, for sure. And I get it. Kev's all about like the players. I get it. And he's, I, I saw his, his message and, and he's saying, he's been saying today all day, like this team will get that manager sacked, you know, and they got Emery sacked and they got Wenger sacked. But 
I mean, at some point with Wenger and Emery, you saw some type of performance on the pitch, all right? With Emery at the end, you didn't really. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just tough. I think it's really hard right now. I think it's both sides, manager and players, and that's terrible recipe. It's yeah, it's something is rotten. Uh, something is very very rotten. So, uh, but it's never rotten on the Gunners podcast. We have a great. We'd had a great conversation with great people tonight. Um, somewhere between 60 and, and 90 people in the chat, which is great for our little uh, boutique podcast. And I no cards brandished, no, no cards, cards brandished. brandished. Uh, I want I want to thank Ryan uh, and Sophie for joining us today. Owen for uh, for clearing all the pool balls off of the table uh, and and for the for the props this time. I'm going to give you props for your props. Thanks, Mike. It was a, it was a, do you want to know what? This is a funny story. This was my first ever Father's Day gift. Uh, happy first Father's Day from my daughter. And it's for any of our future boyfriends. Um, <laughs> nice one. So. You, 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 Kev broke some neck. You're going to crack some heads. Come on. I mean, seriously. <laughs> so Sophie, as if anyone didn't already know, tell us where we find you, uh, both, both Highbury Squadwise and, and your other media engagements. Firstly, thank you to you and Owen um, for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. Long overdue, Owen's got to come on the podcast too. And of course, Mike, you're, you know, we need to figure out your first drop the magic mic segment. And Ryan, it is always wonderful to see you. And you know what? I love your positivity. And every single time I talk to someone about Arsenal, I learn something new or I feel something different. And tonight, you know, I love how your air of positivity, your take is something to kind of hold on to as well. And I really appreciate that. So always good to see you. No, great, great to always great to, to speak to with uh, people with different views. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed listening to what you had to say. Likewise, likewise. Uh, Highbury Squad, just follow Highbury Squad, please. Thank you. You guys are absolutely <laughs> killing it. Great content, great guests. You, you know, especially when you have uh, Ryan and, hasn't and been on yet either. Maybe we do a reunion on the Highbury squad. The yeah, of us. I'd love to. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. No, Ryan, you're supposed to say, "Well, that would be breaking my contract with the Gunners podcast." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot. We have a, we, we, we have, there's no transfer deadline. We just have loans that we can just go yeah. back and forth. We we'll do a loan deal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is the only one I do usually. So, well, you know what? We, we, we have no. We have no. It, it's it's just you're just nice to us. That's all. Uh, <laughs> there, there's no good reason why you don't why you don't do more because your your points of view are uh, are are solid and and. Totally. Uh, and always appreciate it. So Ryan, thanks for coming on and thank you to both of you. And, and I mean, always Owen, but uh, thank you for both of you for your support for Gunners versus cancer. Uh, go to GunnersVCancer.com. Uh, the scroll on the bottom has been talking about it the whole time, but we have 11 really, really good prizes right now. There is a prize that's probably going to have to wait till next year, or it's going to be its own thing. I have just gotten confirmation of it today that it is coming in. Uh, it's something I've been dreaming about being able to offer. I will. Oh my God, what is it? Tell you more in due time, but it is it is oh. something that that is extremely important. Uh, something to to me. It's something that does not exist as far as I know anywhere else. Um, and it's uh, something that we'll be offering. And but we're going to offer it in a way that it gets literally probably it needs to get ten thousand dollars of total bids on some sort of raffle because, because Whoa. this is so good. So in any case, um, stay tuned, but, but come give your, uh, give your money to, to, to charity, uh, try to kick cancer and all the, all the money goes to the, to the, um, to the leukemia lymphoma society. 
and you can win great stuff. So check out GoonersVCancer.com. Um, and uh, we're going to play out with the uh, with the promo video that that we have. Um, so if you would like to watch it, please do. Sophie and Ryan, talk to you later. Owen, yes. thanks a lot. And come on, you Gooners. It's got to get better. Hey, Gooners. This is Alan Smith. This is Kevin Campbell. Lee Dixon. It's Colin Lewin. It's Gary Lewin. Charles Watts. Stan Potts. James Benj. Stanley. Tom from the Good Talk here. Ryan O'Crossley. Simon Collins. You may know me from the Evening Standard. You may know me from my time at Arsenal. You may know me from Arsenal or even the Hybrid Squad. I'm a bird cat Wonderland. Being that physio set on the bench next to Arsenal with my rubber gloves on. The former Arsenal physio. The Emirates Press Box, from writing, from Twitter. From Goal.com, from Twitter, from YouTube. Football is the beautiful game and it brings us all together. Sometimes there are things even more important than wins and losses. And yes, even transfers. Every 30 seconds someone in this world gets diagnosed with blood cancer. The Leukaemia and Lymphoma Society works towards curing blood cancers. And provides support to families currently dealing with these diseases. Gunas vs Cancer was started in 2017. By a lifelong Guna who lost his father to leukaemia way too young. Over the last five years, Gunas v Cancer has raised over $50,000 for the Leukaemia and Lymphoma Society. And we need your help to match that in 2021. Every donation helps. Every donation helps. Every donation helps. Every donation helps. No matter the size. And every donation enters you into the Guna raffle. We have a great chance to win amazing Arsenal prizes, including game tickets, Stadium tours, signed men and women shirts, and maybe a retro signed shirt by yours truly, Lee Dixon. Me, yours truly, yours truly, Super Kevin. So much more. It's easy to take part. Just go to www.gunasvcancer.com and donate directly to the charity. Pick the raffle prizes you want to enter to win and wait for the drawings at the end of the campaign. Again, that's www.gunasvcancer.com. We all know that victory grows out of harmony. Victory grows out of harmony. Victory grows out of harmony. With your help, we'll be victorious against blood cancer once and for all. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your support.